0: Welcome back to the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and this is our 31 Days of Classic Horror Cinema. Happy Halloween, Ghosts and Ghouls, and welcome. To the Just James Horror View. I'm your host, Just James, and this is our very special night, Halloween night. It's great. Horror fans rejoice. It is finally our day. And thank you all for listening to our 31 days of classic horror horror cinema. Like I said, there was a shit ton of movies to choose from. I wanted to try to stay in the 30s and below, but that found that to be incredibly difficult just because of what was available and, you know, price of shit. So, But like I said, there are a ton of great black and white and what many would consider classic horror films that I wasn't able to get to. So if I missed yours, I'm sorry. Hopefully you enjoyed the ones that we did cover. I had this huge list that I went over, and it's kind of I've taken away from some, and I've added and all that kind of stuff. So, I want to give you a quick rundown of the movies that we didn't get to cover, but I still think are worth checking out. We have Bride of Frankenstein. Freaks, murders in the zoo, the man who laughs. The man who laughs, many believe, is what the Joker character is based off of. And if you've seen ever seen still shots from it or whatever, you can see very much that he looks like the Joker from the old Adam West Batman series. We also have films like The Seventh Victim, The Uninvited, Dead of Night, The Picture of Dorian Gray. I have never seen this movie, but it shows up on every fucking list. And Dorian Gray, I'm pretty sure, is that not the guy from the porn novel that came out a few years ago and it was like a big hit, like all of a sudden, you know, uh, mainstream America discovered what a smut novel was. I mean, what what was that called? Shades of Grey, that's what it was called. I'm pretty sure that was the guy's name in that. Don't ask me how I know that. Don't fucking worry about it. I know the same reason you know. But apparently I don't know. I think that was the guy's name. But that movie, and it came out in 1945 apparently, is on a shit ton of lists. And I hate that I couldn't find it anywhere to watch it. So if you've seen that, I'd love to know what you think about it. Let me know in the comments or... On Instagram or wherever, you you can just let me know. Anyway, uh, Them, 1954, I really wanted to see that. one. never got around to it. Of course, we have Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The House on Haunted Hill, Black Sunday. That's another one that comes up on a ton of lists, and I never got to see it. Of course, we have Psycho. I'm sure a lot of people are like, okay, you did classic horror, and you never did fucking Psycho or The Blob or anything like that. Well, again, a lot of those films came out in the 60s. And as I was going through these films, it seems to me like the 60s and maybe the early 70s was, I would compare it to our 80s horror now. So the genre of my age, you know, back in the 60s would have been like, that's their 80s. So when people say, oh, the 80s and early 90s was a great time for horror and and action movies and all this kind of shit, I'm going to say the 60s was your parents' version of that. That's when great horror was around. Great storytelling, great monsters, great effects. A lot of things were just really kind of coming out and were finally allowed to be put on the big screen. So I think probably that's why there was a lot of great horror movies, but I wanted to see even further back into the 20s and stuff, so that's why we missed a lot of those films. Uh, just to name a few more, The Innocents, Jacket* from 1964 that film came up on a shit ton of lists and so did repulsion from 1965 those two films are actually available on prime and i'm probably going to watch those just on my own not for the show because i'm fucking sick of black and white films at this point after watching 31 in a month holy shit um House of the Wolf, Eraserhead is one that I never got to. I don't even. I've never seen that movie. I've never seen Eraserhead, so I don't even know if it's horror or what it, it's categorized. as just something that's bizarre or whatever. So definitely have to check that out. The black and white version of Suspiria. I'm gonna save that for a two part episode where I watch the old one and then the more updated one, which I really, really fucking love. One of my favorite films, the 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 remake or adaptation or whatever it is that's in color and stuff. So I'd like to see those two together I didn't put those on the list uh, there's a a film called A Field in England and it's I think it came out in 2013 is what it says but it's a black and white film so I did I was going to put that one on the list but I didn't want to like cheat the system that much so check that film out it's supposed to be cool I believe it's on Shutter and of course House of Wax and all the other Vincent Price movies and that kind of stuff you know we didn't cover a lot of those however for tonight Halloween night, what I see as the top tier, the end all be all of Halloween films, night of the living dead, 1968, black and white, George A. Romero, zombie film. And obviously there's a ton of different reasons of why you would pick the best best Halloween Halloween film of of all all time. time. And, you know, is it possible to have the goat when it comes to films? Not really, because it's all subjective to maybe how old you were when you first saw it who you saw it with, whatever memories come flooding back when you think of your very first Halloween night, getting scared kind of horror film. But this film, to me, from a cinematic standpoint, and just what the movie was covering, and all the first that it was available, the the storytelling, the cinematography, and everything else, it's just such a good fucking horror movie. And really, I think, set a new standard for what horror movies can be. Now, that being said, let me take just a moment to say... (laughs) Not a huge fan of zombie films. I'm just fucking not. And this is also not the first zombie film. We went over White Zombie and there was a shit ton of other zombie movies after that. So obviously this is not the first zombie film. I think maybe it's the first one where they eat flesh and come back to life or something. I don't I don't know what it is. it is. It's some of the first. You can look up all the histories. There's a million YouTube videos where people just peck this thing to fucking death. Instead of just enjoying it for what it is. And that's what I like to do. Just sit down and enjoy it like I would watch... You know, the very first Scream and the very first I Know What You Did Last Summer, I'm looking forward to this Thanksgiving film, they all kind of carry that same vibe, just entertaining, sit down and get scared, a well-made, great story, horror film, and that's what this was. I re-watched it today, specifically for this episode, and I haven't seen the black and white one in a long time. The reason why I say black and white, I think it's been recolored two or three different, there's two to three different versions of it where it's in color. I watched the one where it was in black and white, and a lot of things that I forget every time I see it. Like, I forgot that they believe the zombies, everybody was coming back from the dead because of a satellite or something that went to Venus, and it got radiated and came back, and the military shot it down, and so there's, like, this news cast portion of the film where they're saying possibly this is why you know all these people are coming back from the dead totally fucking forgot about that part so it's almost a sci-fi movie more so than just straightforward horror movie things coming back from the dead but there's not a lot of explanation again that's part of the film that just makes it really cool it's not really telling you what's going on you're just instantly in peril from nearly the very beginning of the film and another reason why i don't really enjoy zombie flicks is because most of the time they're kind of fucking boring. <laughs> Now, I know I'm sitting here touting this as the ultimate Halloween flick, but I just mean, I don't know, zombies, graveyards, all that kind of shit. It's just kind of, it's just, I don't know, it's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. I can't really describe it. But, you know, I did want to also point out that I think these zombie films sometimes can are fucking boring because they're more about the people inside and the horrors of man and survival and what do you do you know, when pressed and all this kind of stuff. Like, what would you be willing to do to survive? Which is what a lot of zombie films are about. So they're more about the characters. Very character-driven story, along with the never-ending dread and death that awaits you outside that's almost certain. Because at some point, you're going to run out of all things. Sometimes you just run out of fucking patience and start killing people. (laughs) Like, what happens in these zombies films? Other than running out of food and water, resources, all that kind of stuff. So... They're just great films to put you in a position where in your mind you're thinking about, oh my god, what would I do? What would I do in this situation? You know, I'd be fucking terrified. Like, I don't care who you are, how well trained, or what you know, or what kind of prepper you are. It's still a terrifying situation to be in. You can't can't fucking G.I. Joe your way out of this shit, or, or whatever it is. At some point, resources run out, and you gotta move around, and then you're just subject to the world like everybody else. So... Yeah, some of the other things I noticed about this film was the cinematography. I think to me it looks almost completely handheld. I don't know if they did a whole lot of, and which really adds to the. I mean, it doesn't do the whole like Jason Bourne thing where the camera's doing fucking jumping jacks the whole film, but it definitely adds to the it being a personal film as you're watching it. There's a lot of slanted angles in this as well. Like when you're looking at a person, they'll be at a at a slight angle. So you have these cool frame shots, but then they're er, cut on that weird angle, which just adds to the uneasiness and the, the panic of the situation, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that is my pick for Halloween flick. I just think it's so well known by all people, especially with all the zombie stuff that came out in the last couple of years that everybody was crazy about. And, you know, it just says Halloween to me. I don't know. But then again, so does Hocus Pocus. I'm not going to fucking lie, <laughs> you know. I like, you know, whatever. I like it when I want to feel good. I like to smile sometimes. Fuck. And then the ending of this film, of course, just so classic. And it just this film never really lets go of its chokehold around your throat. And the doom just builds and builds and builds. And then you finally get a chance to breathe. And it just fucking snatches the life right out of you. It's funny. As I was watching this, my... My family kept walking in and out of the room and they walked in during that ending part and I could see my youngest was just like, oh yeah, he's going to fucking make it or whatever and then you know what happens. And so I could just tell there was that moment of like, oh my gosh. And I really, it's probably the first, well, almost say the first horror films that he's seen. He's pretty young. We actually went to the Five Night at Freddy's film, which I thought was pretty cool. It's not the best. You're going to get exactly what you think you're going to get if you go and see it. It's got one of the original killers from the Scream movie in it and... The main character, and I can't remember what else he's been in. He's been in a ton of stuff. I'm sorry I can't remember his name. I'm not going to fucking look it up right now. But that guy did an excellent job. His character and the way he portrayed the guy and his acting and everything was fucking top. So that also helped that movie out a ton. But if you've never played the video games or anything like that, it's going to seem real generic and kind of corny to you. But if you're a fan of the games, I think you'll like it. If your kids want to go see it, I, you know, it's PG-13, but I'm thinking like 10 and up, man. I mean, it's it's fine. They'll be they'll be fine. There's nothing too ridiculous that goes on in there. However, that brings me to the ending of this film that I saw. And I think that was the first time my son kind of... It was kind of like that paradise lost moment, you know, where you're just like, oh, fuck, like, we don't always win. You know, <laughs> hope does not always survive. And again, it's just as impactful to me as a full-ass grown man who's seen this movie a bunch of times, as I'm sure it is to him, to see that and have that realization. So, that is my pick. I'm not really going to go much more into it uh, than that. I'm not going to debate anyone on it because, there, like I said, obviously there are tons of other horror films that I think are just as worthy as a Halloween list. Like I said, I know what you did last summer for some odd reason. Whatever it is, I just really love that fucking movie. I think it's a great Halloween flick. If you, you know, just being a teenager and going to the theater and seeing it with friends, just fucking great movie. The Blob, again, another one of my tops. I love the fucking Blob. So, yeah, don't think that this is exhaustive as far as the list goes. or On any of these films, I can find beauty in all of them. It's all horror. It's all love. So I'd love to know what your picks are. You can let me know in the comments what Halloween film, what was your must-watch this season, what did you absolutely have to see. So put that in the comments of this episode. That would be dope. So we are going to move on to the second part of tonight's episode. Now I was listening to our friends at the Dead Languages podcast and they were talking about some of their traditions and things that they like to do. Check out their Halloween episode. They both wrote some short fiction for that particular episode. Both of them bangers, of course. We love those two. They do great work. They also have some literature that came out this year, so go to their websites and check that out as well. All that stuff is available. We've covered it all on the show before, but Carson Winter brought up an interesting point. He said that Him and cousin wife will read The Mask of the Red Death every year for Halloween. And I think that story is amazing. Again, it's one of those kind of top, when I think horror, I think of that story top three, hands down, no matter what. I can remember reading that in fucking middle school. And, you know, it being one of the foundations of me becoming the horror fan that I am today. You know, true terror on the page. The first time I ever realized that, and I, I'd read Goosebumps since like elementary school, but that was the first time where I could visualize something in my mind and truly be scared of what was going on. It was a different type of horror. You know, it wasn't boogeyman stuff and it wasn't just showing, it wasn't full frontal horror kind of thing, but it was just the, the building of dread. And I really discovered what literature could be when it comes to creating emotions and horror and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I thought that was an excellent pick. So in the spirit of that, I thought I would read one of my favorite H.P. Lovecraft stories, The Outsider. Now I know I think they did a, a mini series or something on this. Uh, I'm going to say it's probably not really based on the fucking story because it's a short story that has a, a beginning and an end and all that. I don't know how they would embellish it more to make it cooler, it's just name recognition, I'm going to assume. But then again, I've never seen it, so I'm talking out of my ass on that. I don't know. It might be a cool series. Check it out. Anyway, with that being said, The Outsider, if you go to YouTube, there's a lot of great dramatic readings of this story on YouTube. There, It's a great thing to just like listen to in the dark or around some pumpkins or whatever you want to do for Halloween. However, I wanted to give it a shot this Halloween in the vein of all that has been said before and do a dramatic dream dramatic dramatic reading of the outsider by hp lovecraft and yeah and that's how we will end the show i hope you have enjoyed this 31 days of classic horror cinema it has burned me the fuck out so Probably won't do that next year. I'll probably just pick one or two movies to focus on. Maybe have a special guest or something, or, or maybe have multiple special guests. That would be really cool. We can ca- like a have a whole couch viewing party of maybe one or two of our favorite horror films compile a list or something. I think that would be really cool, so if you're listening and you have a podcast, reach out to me. We can make plans for next year. Maybe they fall through. Maybe they fucking don't. I don't know, but it's cool to always have it on the books. So yeah, happy Halloween, everyone. I love you guys. I hope it was a great one. This is the Just James Horror Review, and I'm your host, Just James. I hope you enjoy this story, The Outsider, by H.P. Lovecraft. Unhappy is he to whom the memories of childhood bring only fear and sadness. Wretched is he who looks back upon the lone hours in vast and dismal chambers with brown hangings and maddening rows of antique books, or upon odd watches in twilight groves of grotesque, gigantic, and vine-encumbered trees that silently wave twisted branches far aloft lot the gods gave to me to me the dazed, the disappointed the barren the broken and yet I am strangely content and cling desperately to those seer memories when my mind momentarily threatens to reach beyond that the castle was infinitely old and infinitely horrible, full of dark passages and having high ceilings where the eye could find only cobwebs and shadows. The stones in the crumbling corridors seemed always hideously damp, and there was an accursed smell. of the piled-up corpses of dead generations. It was never light, so that I used sometimes to light candles and gaze steadily at them for relief. Nor was there any sun outdoors since the terrible trees grew high above the topmost accessible tower. There was one which reached above the trees into the unknown outer sky. But that was partly ruined and could not be ascended, save by a well-nigh impossible climb up the sheer wall, stone by stone. I must have lived for years in this place. I cannot measure the time. Beings must have cared for my needs, yet I cannot recall any person except myself. Or anything alive but the noiseless rats and bats and spiders. I think that whoever nursed me must have been shockingly aged since my first conception of a living person was that of something mockingly like myself. Yet distorted and shriveled and decaying like the castle. To me, there was nothing Grotesque in the bones and skeletons that strode some of the stone crypts deep down among the foundations. I fantastically associated these things with everyday events and thought them more natural than the colored pictures of the living beings which I found in many of the moldy books. From such books I learned all that I know. No teacher urged or guided me, and I do not recall hearing any human voice in all of those years, not even my own. For although I had read of speech, I had never thought to try to speak aloud. My aspect was a matter equally unthought of. For there were no mirrors in the castle, and I merely regarded myself by instinct as akin to the youthful figures I saw drawn and painted in those books. I felt conscious of youth because I remembered so little. Outside, across the putrid moat, and under the dark, mute trees, I would often lie and dream for hours about what I read in the book and would longingly picture myself amidst the gay crowds in the sunny world beyond the endless forest. Once I tried to escape from the forest, but as I went farther from the castle, the shade grew denser and the air more filled with brooding fear, so that I ran frantically back, lest I lose my way in a labyrinth. So through endless twilight, I dreamed and waited, though I knew not what I waited for. Then in the shadowy solitude of my longing for light, grew so frantic that I could rest no more, and I lifted, entreating hands to the single black ruined tower that reached above the forest into the unknown outer sky. And at last, I resolved to scale that tower, fall though I might, since it were better to glimpse the sky and perish than to live without ever beholding day. In the dank twilight, I climbed the worn-aged stone stairs till I reached the level where they ceased, and thereafter clung perilously to small footholds leading upward. Ghastly and terrible was that dead, stairless cylinder of rock, black, ruined and deserted, and sinister with startled bats whose wings made no noise. But more ghastly and terrible still was the slowness of my progress, for climb as I might, the darkness overhead grew no thinner and a new chill as of haunted and venerable mold assailed me. I shivered as I wondered why I did not reach the light, and would have looked down had I dared. I fancied that night had come suddenly upon me, and vainly groped with one free hand for a window embrasure, that I might peer out and above judge the height that I had attained. All at once, after an infinity of awesome, sightless crawling up that concave and desperate precipice, I felt my head touch a solid thing, and I knew I must have gained the roof, or at least some kind of floor. In the darkness, I raised my free hand and tested the barrier, finding it stone and immovable. Then came a deadly circuit of the tower, clinging to whatever holds the slimy walls could give, till finally my testing hand found the barrier yielding, and I turned upward again, pushing the slab or door with my head as I used both hands in my fearful ascent. As my hands went higher, I knew that my climb was for the nonce ended. Since the slab was the trap door of an aperture, leading to a level stone surface of greater circumference than the lower tower, no doubt the floor of some lofty and capacious observation chamber. I crawled through carefully and tried to prevent the heavy slab from falling back into place, but failed in the latter attempt. As I lay exhausted on the stone floor, I heard the eerie echoes of its fall, but hoped, when necessary, to pry it over. Fancying now that I had attained the very pinnacle of the castle, I commenced to rush up the few steps beyond the door. But the sudden failing of the moon by a cloud caused me to stumble, and I felt my way more slowly in the dark. It was still very dark when I reached the grating, which I tried carefully and found unlocked but which I did not open for fear of falling from the amazing height to which I had climbed. Then the moon came out. Most ironical of all shocks is that of the abysmally unexpected and grotesquely unbelievable. Nothing I had before undergone could compare in terror with what I now saw. Bizarre marvels that sight implied The sight itself was as simple as it was stupefying For it was merely this Instead of a dizzying prospect of treetops seen from the lofty eminence There stretched around me on a level through the grating Nothing less than the solid ground Diversified by marble slabs and columns, and overshadowed by an ancient stone church, whose ruined spire gleamed spectrally in the moonlight. Half unconscious, I opened the grating and staggered out upon the white gravel path that stretched away in two directions. My mind, stunned and chaotic as it was, still held the frantic craving for light, and not even the fantastic wonder which had happened could stay my course. I neither knew nor cared whether my experience was insanity, dreaming or magic, but was determined to gaze on brilliance and gaiety at any cost. I knew not who I was, or what I was, or what my surroundings might be, though as I continued to stumble along I became conscious of a kind of fearsome, latent memory that made my progress not wholly fortuitous. I passed under an arch out of that region of slabs and columns and wandered through the open country, sometimes following the visible road, but sometimes... Leaving it curiously to tread across the meadows where only occasional ruins bespoke the ancient presence of a forgotten road. Once I swam across a swift river where crumbling mossy masonry told of a bridge long over two hours must have passed before i reached what seemed to be my goal a venerable ivied castle in a thickly wooded park, maddingly familiar yet full of perplexing strangeness to me i saw that the moat was filled in and that some of the well-known towers were demolished whilst new wings existed to confuse the beholder but what i observed with chief interest and delight were the open windows, gorgeously ablaze with light and sending forth sound of the gayest revelry. Advancing to one of these, I looked in and saw an oddly dressed company indeed, making merry and speaking brightly to one another. I had never seemingly heard human speech before and could guess only vaguely what was said. Some of the faces seemed to hold expressions that brought up incredibly remote recollections. Others were utterly alien. I now stepped through the low window into the brilliantly lighted room, stepping as I did so from my single bright moment of hope to my blackest convulsion of despair and realization. For as I entered, there occurred, immediately, one of the most terrifying demonstrations I had ever conceived. Scarcely had I crossed the Sill, when there descended upon the whole company, a sudden and unheralded fear of hideous intensity, distorting every face and evoking the most horrible screams from nearly every throat. Flight! was universal and in the clamor and panic, several fell in a swoon and were dragged away by their maddeningly fleeing companions. Many covered their eyes with their hands and plunged blindly and awkwardly in their race. overturning furniture and stumbling against walls before they managed to reach one of the many doors. The cries were shocking, and as I stood in the brilliant apartment alone and dazed, listening to their vanishing echoes, I trembled at the thought of what might be lurking near me unseen. At casual inspection, the room seemed deserted, But when I moved towards one of the alcoves, I thought I detected a presence there, a hint of motion beyond the golden arch doorway, leading to another and somewhat similar room. As I approached the arch, I began to perceive the presence more clearly, and then, With the first and last sound I ever uttered a ghastly elation that revolted me, almost as poignantly as its noxious cause. I beheld in full frightful vividness the inconceivable, indescribable, and unmentionable monstrosity which had, by its simple appearance, changed a merry company to a herd of delirious fugitives. it was like, for it was a compound of all that is unclean, uncanny, unwelcome, abnormal, and detestable. It was the coolest shade of decay, antiquity, and desolation, the putrid, dripping eidolon of unwholesome revelation the awful bearing of that which the merciful earth should always hide. God knows it was not of this world, or no longer of this world. Yet to my horror I saw in its eaten away and bone revealing outlines, a leering abhorred travesty on the human shape in its moldy disintegrating apparel an unspeakable quality that feeble effort toward flight, a backward stumble which failed to break the spell in which the nameless, voiceless monster held me. My eyes, bewitched by the glassy orbs which stared loathsomely into them, refused to the close, though they were mercifully blurred, and shooed the terrible object but indistinctly after the first shot. I tried to raise my hand to shut out the sight, yet so stunned were my nerves that my arm could not fully obey my will. The attempt, however, was enough to disturb my balance so that I had to stagger forward several steps to avoid falling. As I did so, I became suddenly in agony. Of the nearness of the carry-on thing Whose hideous hollow breathing I half fancied I could hear Nearly mad, I found myself yet able to throw out a hand to ward off the foated apparition which pressed so close when in one cataclysmic second of cosmic nightmarish and hellish accident my fingers touched the rotting, outstretched paw of the monster beneath the golden arch. I did not shriek. But all the fiendish ghouls that ride the night wind shrieked for me as in that same second there crashed down upon my mind a single and fleeting avalanche of soul annihilating memory i knew in the second all that had been I remembered beyond the frightful castle and the trees and recognized the altered edifice in which I now stood. I recognized, most terrible of all, the unholy abomination that stood leering before me as I withdrew my sullen fingers from its own. But in the cosmos there is balm as well as bitterness, and the balm is an epithet. In the supreme horror of that second, I forgot what had horrified me, and the burst of black memory vanished in chaos of echoing images. In a dream, I fled from that haunted and accursed pile and ran swiftly, and I found that stone trap door immovable. But I was not sorry, for I had hated the antique castle and the trees. Now I ride with the mocking and friendly ghouls on the night wind and play by day amongst the catacombs of Nephron in the sealed and unknown valley of Hadith by the Nile. I know that the light is not for me save that of the moon over the rock tombs of Neb nor any gaiety save the unnamed feast of Necrox beneath the great pyramid. Yet in my new wildness and freedom I almost welcome the bitterness of alienage. For although Nepanthe has calmed me, I know always that I am an outsider, a stranger in this century, and among those who are still, since I stretched out my fingers to the abomination within that great gilded frame, stretched out my fingers and touched a cold and unyielding surface of polish.